Hello, dear listener. Thank you for downloading, streaming, and listening to the Spooky Doings podcast. My name is Rick Guzman. I'm an improv comedian from New York who still can't improvise because of the coronavirus, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel. People are receiving the poignant poke, and who knows, maybe some venues around New York will come up with a decision to have improv al fresco. I'm not joined by Chelsea today, so I'm handling all the technical aspects myself. So if it sounds like shit, there's nobody to blame but me. But I am very excited because our guests are a wonderful band that I heard about a couple of years ago, and they have a spooky vibe to them. So I figured let's ask if they'd want to be on the show. They're from Austin, Texas, and we are joined today by Johnny and Carly of the Ghost Wolves. Hello, everybody. Hey. How are you holding up in the time of Rona? <laughs> we're making it through. Hanging in there. Yeah, we're we're surviving. Yes. That is the appropriate response a year into a pandemic uh, that has worn us all down. Uh, but we'll get to that story. Um, first heard about you guys a couple of years back uh, with the Crooked Cop single, but I'm joining your story in progress. So what are the origins of the two of you? How did the two of you meet and decide, let's form a band? Well, we met on the train. <laughs> that has kind of a noir sound to it at the beginning. Many years ago on a train. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Um, Where was this train going to? <laughs> it was going out. Uh, we were on our, uh, the Amtrak going from um, San Antonio to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was in the viewing car and we were out over West Texas. We just passed Kerrville, Texas, which uh, is about two hours west of Austin. And um, I was. Yeah, Carly got on at Kerrville, and I was sitting there just drinking a beer, looking at all the beautiful landscape passing us by. And this girl sat down next to me, and I thought, God, that's she's she looks like she looks like someone famous or someone who should be famous or someone who's got a lot of talent. And so we started talking music, and we both discovered that we love old blues music and old rock and roll music. And uh, from there, we just sort of became friends and stayed in touch after we got to California. And then when, we, when we were back in Texas, we, we started our band. So we just, you know, we formed a friendship rolling down the rails. That was a long, long trip. A lot of stops in between, you know, and just it took forever to get out there. So we had plenty of time to get to know each other. In a way, the fact that this happens on a train is kind of like a blues song in and of itself. <laughs> it's a train song waiting to happen. <laughs> Well, maybe it's maybe it's something you guys can work on. As uh, it's safe to assume that many musicians and some of the ones that I've spoken to um, are working on stuff because sadly can't tour right now. Uh, but hopefully there's a lot of that in the tunnel. So maybe just an idea. The 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 rails upon which we met. You can have that title for free. <laughs> that, that was in my pocket already. So it's safe to assume you were already musicians at the time of your meeting. What, was there any impetus in your love of music that said, I want to do this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were both playing music. You know, we were both side musicians, or at least I was for a long time. And 
was playing in bands that just didn't really, you know, get me too excited about what they were doing at that point. And so I kind of, you know, I've always been a little bit of a shithead my whole life. I've always wanted to break rules and just do things my way. And when you're a drummer, sometimes you can't do that because you're in other people's band. You're kind of sucked into their world and you have to perform what they want you to do. But this was my, uh, my way of our way of doing our own thing, not not being told what to do by anybody, basically. So. Yeah, I grew up playing music and was in um, different styles of bands. I, I tried out, dip my toes in all different styles. But my first band, when I was in middle school, we won the talent show. <laughs> but that was a punk band. So I started out punk and then went through several different phases, you know, and then um, wanted to just get back to that raw, you know, energy. You know, that's, so that's kind of what what I was ready for. Raw energy is a, a perfect description for your music because it's 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 very familiar but simultaneously unlike anything else. Um, I was lucky enough to see you guys in September 2019 in Nashville coincidentally and it kind of blew my mind the the, the wonderful energy of the show. But then, Johnny, when you're playing guitar and the drums simultaneously, while while Carly is singing, and I think you had a guitar at the time or a keyboard, a, there was a lot of smoke and light going on. I was just my jaw was on the floor. My lady was next to me. It was like, well, this is this is a great uh, first trip to Nashville. <laughs> that was fun. Too. That was very memorable night. Yeah. 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 So is, is that kind of what you meant by you want to break the rules, that you wouldn't be able to have that much freedom in every, any previous band? Yes. Yeah. We would not be uh, playing guitars and drums and guitar at the same time and synthesizers and, you know, rolling around on the stage and uh, <laughs> playing obnoxiously loud guitar. And, you know, you always, when you're in a band with people, and there's nothing wrong with it because it's good it's a good experience but you always have someone telling you hey do it this way do it that way turn down, turn down. don't play that drum fill play that beat this way and that's good for a person you know it's not it's not bad to have some discipline but at the same time i think carly and i we both kind of we were bad kids when we were little and i think that never you know at least i was a bad student I, I got in trouble a lot i was always in the principal's office and so you know i've always had that and me, I think, where I just don't really want to do what I'm told. Yeah. I, I can absolutely relate uh, as a bad kid in Catholic school. For our listeners, we're recording this on Easter Sunday, and I got sent to the principal's office for asking where Cain's wife came from. Because <laughs> if, if you got Adam and Eve, two people, and we were taught this very literally, they have Cain and Abel, now we're at a population of four. Cain kills the Abel, basic math, we're down to three. He repents, goes to another village and gets married. And my hand goes up and asks the obvious question. Uh, the first thing the teacher said to me was shut up. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then when I said, but you, you, I'm trying to participate because I'd gotten notes that I wasn't participating in class. And she said, do you want to go to the principal's office? To which I responded, if she knows the answer, okay. So, <laughs> I went there. The principal was very familiar with me by this time. She asked why I was in her office. I said, I asked where Kane's wife came from. And she told me to sit down. 
And I sat there for 40 minutes until she sent me back to class. So that was the seed of my atheism planted. <laughs> well, that, that's formative, formative experience though, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. They can't tell you, so. Don't ask too many questions, you know, they, they disappear people as, <laughs> as churches. <laughs> yeah, so I mean. Neither it's... confirm nor deny that I've survived every Vatican assassination attempt against me. Oh, yeah. Since I'm alive. <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it's a dangerous world out there religion religion adds to it in some ways i think so so what what stories of of uh preteen mischief do you have that you might want to share with a couple of our listeners all right some of your bad kid tales oh. well i got kicked out of middle school um and sent to another school as uh you know punishment it was a lesser, less, lesser public school where things weren't quite as um, good for the students. The school was in disrepair. You know, it's definitely like a punishment move at the school district that I was in. But the good part was uh, there were some really great drummers at that school when I got there for whatever reason. And so I started hanging out with them, and that just sort of, you know, saved me basically. Um, they're, you know, having these other drummers around to learn from that were older than me. Um, but I got kicked out of school for fighting and just being, you know, shithead and hanging out with bad kids. We're stealing. I never stole anything that I can remember, but my friends were starting to steal. They'd go to the store and shoplift and just, you know, they were, they were getting into bad stuff. And I think they wanted to separate us. So, so yeah, um, I started being pretty bad in middle school because I was from a small town. There wasn't much to do after a certain age. And um, my brother was already getting into some stuff. So he kind of lied on some extracurricular activities that weren't, uh, you know, probably in my best interest at the time. But anyway, so my parents decided to ship me off to Alaska. And oh. Yeah, I went to uh, broaden my horizon. So um, we had family up there that I had never met. And, you know, back then it was, I didn't even have a shirt. So I went to the airport in my final pants, you know, dyed hair and stuff. <laughs> they came up to me and they were like, you must be Carly. And uh, I was like, yeah. So they took me home and luckily I had my guitar with me. My, my dad sent me with his guitar. He said I could take it. And I mean, that's what I did the entire time. I just played guitar and um, I ended up meeting some people, some friends and, you know, wherever you go, if you're looking for trouble, you're going to find me. So. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and, and, and it's always best to, to learn from mistakes. I frequently tell people, I never learned anything by doing it correctly. Um, but, but Alaska, that, that does remind me of that Al Pacino movie, Insomnia where the hotel owner is like, yeah, everybody that comes here had to get away from something else. <laughs> and as, as someone who's not a fan of the cold, I'm like, I don't need to run that badly. <laughs> At least not in that direction. It was cold. There was a whole big world up there with the weather and everything. But it, in the end, you know, I, I was like, I won the talent show up there. So I was like, this is this ain't too bad, you know? <laughs> I, I had a lot of good experience. It was it, they were right where I I was able to broaden my horizons. I learned so much going up there. I 
grew a lot and stuff, but I, I didn't necessarily, you know, like get good. <laughs> well, they got you away from your bad friends. Yeah. Here in Texas. That, that, you know, I think that's a pretty strong parental move, honestly. You can pull it off. The kids being bad, you just put them on a jet, you send them 2,000 miles <laughs> from the bad kids. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for that. That's cool. It was, it was an cool adventure. Move. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, speaking of adventure, and uh, sad to bring this up, but there was recently snow in Austin, Texas. So I wonder if those gave you any Alaskan flashbacks or if you were fortunate enough to uh, be able to look at some Texans who maybe didn't have as much experience with snow. Like, okay, I got this. Let me, I have vivid memories of this unfortunate white covering we're going to be okay yeah it's true um i don't mess around with the cold i have i mean i live in texas i have two snowsuits <laughs> i have you know gloves and hats and even snow goggles like I, I have all that stuff in a box way in the back of the closet piled up never never ever ever get to use it got it all out. I was prepared for that snow. I was able to go out. We were staying with my parents at the time because they have a lot of animals to take care of. And my dad's old and he, you know, we didn't want him to fall down and stuff. And we were like, let us, let us handle this, you know? So we got all suited up. And I mean, I was ready. I had like five layers on. I was going, you know, and we went and <laughs> fed all the horses and took care of the animals. We even had one of our dogs pulling us on a trash can lid, like kind of, you know, it's my secret. We got some sledding in. Yeah. Yeah, we there's a big hill we sled down. I mean we, we had, lost we lost power for ten days. Uh power and water without you. Yeah, the power um well. So we didn't have water or power and I mean it was really hard to keep thirteen animals alive. Yeah, I mean there were wild animals here were dying, like uh birds were falling out of trees, we were finding deer that had frozen to death few times and because there's a lot of exotic animals around here that are just loose that people have kept on their ranches that got loose but a lot of them aren't made for the climate so they have these you know there's these type of deer that are from uh, the indian subcontinent and they were dying out in the fields and you know it was it was gnarly man we we had a quite the time it was beautiful because we never get to see this landscape covered in ice and snow so it and then, you know it was striking but it was also really hard on on everyone here. That 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 is a very apt description of the snow. Like it'll entertain you for about fifteen minutes, and then you have to deal with the reality of it. But creatively, it did point you in a direction of a song which uh, I, I I loved. Uh, you wrote a song called "Cruises in Cancun." to the tune of Whitey on the Moon, which is what my favorite Gil Scott Heron song. <laughs> uh, yeah, we sitting around the fire, just thinking about him taking off, you know, and he should be here trying to get our electricity back on and, you know, make sure people aren't dying, which they did, over a hundred people ended up dying because of this. And um, I mean, we were just pissed and we, we started coming up with verses and stuff. And well, it was the same day that they landed that Mars uh, rover you know, on Mars, like I think of Perseverance, which mm -hmm. really, I think is great. I think NASA should be doing all that stuff. It's awesome. it's awesome. We should be exploring space. But just like the irony of being in the dark by the fire, you know, and then people are dying freezing. And, and then so I thought about Gil Scott Heron and I looked up that 
the, uh, the poem and the song and we listened to it around the fire and we thought, damn, we should do something like this for our situation. And so, yeah, then we kind of used that um, rhyme scheme to make our own song. Because every everything we were going through, we were like, oh yeah, let's boil some more water, you know, or boil some more snow so we can water the animals or something. And, and then somebody would say, and cruises in Cancun. <laughs> yeah. So then it was just like everything we were doing in cruises in Cancun. And so. Yeah, I mean, I even called, there was a stranded motorist out here and I called 911 to try to get some help and they said they couldn't come. Yeah, we're just not responding. We, not, we can't make it. Yeah. No one can help you. You're like, on your own. Which Texans are good at being on their own as a people. You know, there's a lot of independent-minded folks down here who can have resources on their property to take care of themselves. But not everybody is like that here. There's a lot of weak people, or not not weak people, but just people who aren't prepared for it, you know. And that they, they suffered really badly during the storm. It's sad, man. We even had a family friend who didn't make it because he didn't have electricity, couldn't breathe. He was on a breathing machine at COPD. And I mean, it's so sad what happened to, to people. And my, my condolences for that. That is fucking awful. And um, I, I, I question uh, Ted Cruz, who I like to call by his government name of Raphael, uh, for just bailing and going to Mexico because he should be able to deal with the cold. He was born in Canada. And, uh, you know, as, as one Cuban male to another, just, just help people out. Because if there's nothing else I've learned during this pandemic, and I've said it on this podcast before, after four years of, of, of cruelty, there's nothing more punk rock and anti-establishmentarian than right now than being kind to somebody else. So just, just be nice. That's all we can do for each other. That'll get us through. But also with that song, uh, you recently uh, put that on a limited edition one copy vinyl and sold raffle tickets for charity. And the other side was a band called the Robot Farts made up of kids. And if Robot Farts wasn't enough to get you, they had me at the title of their song, Poop on the Virus. So <laughs> please tell us about how that came about and, and, and what charity you ended up helping with that. They're the newest thing in Austin. They're going to be the biggest band out of Austin, I guarantee it. Give them a, give them a couple of years, let them finish up the fifth grade. You know, get Once get, they finish growing, they're going to be huge. Huge people. Yeah, let them let them learn to read and make sure they have all the math skills and everything. And they're gonna be world famous punk rock band. I mean, they're they're poop on the virus. That's some it's deep, man. Yeah, it's two twin brothers, and they put out this video, poop on the virus, and we saw it, and uh, it went viral. You know, everyone was talking about it, and so we called them up because we know their dad. Their dad used to book us um, all the time. That he's cool shows and stuff in Austin so they're like hey uh, let's do something let's let's do a vinyl and uh, so he he approached the kids like hey you know Gosels want to do a vinyl and they're like what's a vinyl <laughs> <laughs> so that's the main reason we did it actually just to educate kids on what vinyl records are. that's it's important that we we make sure they know so we have a, a fan base that'll buy our stuff and we're really old. 
<laughs> but, yeah, they're so cool. Yeah. They're the cutest little dudes. And we love that kids are making music, especially during the pandemic when they can't go out and play with their friends. And so we just, yeah, we wanted to do that with them. Yeah, and uh, the organization that we raised money for we, we raised almost six hundred dollars for kids in a new groove and it's um they give instruments and music lessons to kids in foster care and um once their dad told the robot parts you know about the cause and stuff they were really excited about helping out with that and they they were into the cause as well so it's out really well and we're really thankful for everything that bought it and yeah, then, you you got one too. Thanks for for getting one. Yeah, thank you. It really uh, makes. Once I saw, I'm like, I know there's not a chance that I can win this, and you know, money's a little tight with unemployment. But for six bucks, I'm definitely getting the digital. Good, just every little drop will help. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sending a digital link out to uh, probably this later today, just so you know. If time is broken, it's irrelevant. Nothing matters anymore. Some most of the time, I don't know what day it is. <laughs> At your leisure. All right. But uh, okay, so let's let's go to where where I joined the story. I first heard of you guys when Third Man put out the Crooked Cop single, and uh, I love Third Man. I love checking out their stuff because uh, you know while everything's not my cup of tea, it's always something like let me listen and see what's happening there. And that track automatically hypnotic, uh, especially the line of uh, left his body in a levee out on Galveston Road. He was a crooked cop that had a quarrel with a secret agent. I'm like, this again, to go to that blues influence, there's a story in here. I hope it's fictional, but there's a story in here <laughs> that's worth checking out. Um, so how, how did that single come to be released uh, from the friends at Third Man? Yeah, we've uh, we've been, you know, sort of re relating to that label since we started our band because they're just the most rock-and-roll label on the planet. And we've always loved what they do also. So we've always followed them. And we buy, we buy the records, you go to their stores and we're on tour. And we, uh, we just sent them, we sent them a batch of recordings that we did. And they picked those songs out and, you know, put them together to make that, that vinyl, so. But it wasn't the first time we had sent the music. Um, since we started the band, when we'd go through Nashville, we'd both know we were in town, you know, we, we tour a lot. So we were always going through Nashville purposefully to let them know we were in town and, you know, <clears throat> just kind of be in touch. I'm sure a lot of bands do that, but, um, and then we'd say, hey, you know, we got these new songs, send them, you know, didn't hear back, you know, just, that sort of thing, but I think the persistence of continuing to be in touch kind for of ten years. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, they they liked you know uh, we approached our recording a little bit differently with that back after songs. It was the first time we were able to work on a tape machine um, with a good friend of ours who was just you know not worried about time and you know not worried about money. You know all the things that kind of get you um just well they change your focus yeah when you're, when you're in the studio and you're worried about the clock and you're worried about the bill at the end of the session you're just not thinking about the music you're making some it's harder so yeah we had a really good buddy who brought us to his house 
he's got a totally like pre 1970 studio in his house, but it's all super lush, beautiful gear, beautiful tape machines. He's a gearhead. He's a total so. gearhead, and everything in his house just sounds like so good. It was really it was so fun. Good. I mean, just every sound that they made, and he'd have these ideas like, oh, you know, check out this crazy gadget and like see, check out what it does here. Turn some knobs and stuff, and we'd just be turning knobs. We'd be like, wow, that's so cool. We'd be drinking you know? beer late <laughs> into the night, you know, smoking a little weed or whatever, and just having a good hangout with our buddy. And like that, I think, came across in the recordings because it was more of a relaxed vibe for us. We mm-hmm. weren't so worried about impressing somebody or like we'd worked with producers before who were great but it's just changes your relationship you know you just you're not you're not as comfortable so um you're yeah. not having your focus divided on all these other things of just just let it flow and see what happens and uh, as an improviser i can certainly relate to that but yeah it was shortly after that that my girlfriend and i went to nashville for our anniversary and third man is the newest of the many musical meccas in that town so like of course we're gonna go there and i'm gonna hurt my credit card very happily and i couldn't find your single but one of the the wonderful staff there asked if i needed some help and i'm like do you have the ghost wolf single she said let me check in the back and she disappeared for a while and i'm looking at the pretty vinyl on the wall and then out she comes with that seven inch and i'm like thank you very much and then i don't might have been the next day or later that night we were at grimy's and i saw a flyer with the picture of that single and i'm like oh that shows tomorrow and we're still in town guess where we're going after we get some hot fried chicken beautiful lady and we did (laughs) we had never played there before but it was it was a fun fun night some cool other bands too. Brother Man was another memorable one. And yeah. she picked up their CD. And I'm pretty sure I spotted uh, Ben Blackwell in the audience. So hopefully they'll, 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 they've, they've got more interest and maybe want to do another album. Um, I did pick up uh, Man, I, I should remember the title of your, your full length record. Man, Woman, Beast. Man, Woman, Beast. Yes, and that's another great album that I was happy to get home and get on the turntable as quickly as possible. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, But then we come to the Rona and uh, I know you guys were supposed to tour with the Ghost Wolves, but I saw your postings that all your South by Southwest dates were getting canceled and like everybody else, you're panicking, you're uncertain. But, but Carly, you, you kept your creativity going in a way that I, I definitely think is commendable. You started making masks for people that looked really cool, uh, were really comfortable, not snagging the ears, great patterns, and just selling them on your website. And people can, could donate for you to give some to people in your Austin area. I got three myself, but how, how did you come up with this idea? That's like, that's how you're going to pass the time. Yeah, that's um, just when we got back in tour, we were in, we were touring Europe when it hit bad in Italy. And um, we, we got back just kind of in the nick of time, but we got some of the last masks that were available um, in Europe at this 
um, like hardware store, the N95 masks. We, we picked them up before we got on the plane. And we, we wore them on the way back. And I noticed nobody was wearing masks yet because it was kind of, it was, it was in Italy really bad, but it kind of wasn't a reality here yet. So we kind of saw how bad it was, you know, before everybody saw it here. And I kind of just figured people are going to need masks. And, you know, because you can't just go get them really here. I mean, nobody wore them. Or, I mean, it just wasn't a thing. So um, I started getting online. I mean, I sew and my, mo my mom and I sew. We, we have a little company, Star Wolf, that, you know, we usually sell the clothes at, on the merch rack for the Ghost Wolf shows. And um, we, there was like this whole movement going on, the million mask movement and, you know, among seamstresses. So uh, people were coming up with ideas and sharing, you know, designs and um, thoughts on sizing and everything like that. And we kind of just got involved and we started selling. And once we kind of, once we honed in on the style that we liked, we just started making it available. And a lot of people did order. Everyone needed one. It was just kind of one of those things like I can make what people need. And um, it was just a, a good way to pass the time too. I mean, I enjoy selling and I was also helping people. We were able to donate a bunch of masks to, um, you know, different hospitals in town, um, even a homeless, um, organization that helps with the unhoused people and um, all sorts of stuff. So it was fun. Um, I haven't been making as many masks lately because you know, I think everybody kind of has their masks now and everybody's taking care of and stuff. So, but it was a good way to pass the time when we were supposed to be on tour with Guitar Wolf and supposed to be doing all this other crazy stuff. Uh, it was a way to just kind of do something else. It's also very cool that you took into account um, not everybody has the same size guy head, which I think a lot of manufacturers just kind of take that for granted. So you had children sizes, you had mediums, you had people for really big head motherfuckers out there and it's all adjustable and that little wiring in the nose to help keep it in place so you're not walking around dick nosing everybody because that doesn't help anybody. But yeah, you, you mentioned the guitar wolves guitar wolf rather and uh, when i heard about that and then heard it wasn't going to happen i'm like that that's one of the 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 more disappointing aspects of the pandemic because first of all both great live shows second that's double wolf right there so <laughs> is there yeah. a chance of rescheduling if maybe we haven't heard anything from anybody <laughs> <laughs> we are completely in the dark, Rick. We're just hanging out in Texas with the doors shut, and we're making music in our house. And whenever, whenever they call, we'll we'll be happy to discuss our terms. Well, <laughs> one thing that did happen with them, though, they they threw a virtual festival. They they usually they've been throwing this festival every year for years, and this year they did it online. Or was that last year? Uh, I guess it was 2020. Yeah, last year they the threw fall. they threw a mar. I don't know if you caught this. I think it's online, so if you haven't, they caught a they threw this marathon live stream. It was like was 18 hours long mm -hmm. or something, and they had must have had dozens of just super cool bands too, like bands we hadn't heard of that are just so great. And other acts, not necessarily bands that you know. Yeah. They had in there like this Japanese sword fighting women sword fighting dance troupe. Like just really wild stuff. And, and like short films and stuff that were yeah. just out of this world. I mean, so we did get to perform for them on their live stream, which 
doesn't scratch the itch of playing 40, you know, super punk rock shows with them across the North American continent. But uh, we will take what we can get. It hopefully keeps uh, you in their mind. I did see about that. I did take a look at some stuff. I did check out some of the bands on the bills and one just by the title of electric machine gun tits. I'm like, that's something I have to listen to. They were supposed to be on our show with them in San Francisco. It was oh, our- yeah, we're friends with them. They're, yeah, they're, they're awesome. totally wild. Actually, Cora did the, the singer or the one of the play, players in that band did an intro for us on a record in, in Japanese on our uh, the follow up to Man, Woman, Beast. He does the intro. And uh, so we, we love them. Electric Machine Gun Tits. Yeah. <laughs> also, with their timely reaction, they put out a, an EP called Pandemic Suplex. And you know, I'm a wrestling fan, and we're all stuck in this pandemic. So it's not quite poop on the virus, but it's pretty close. <laughs> it I mean, it might be the, the setup. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to get into that ballpark. You know, that songwriting ballpark is... <laughs> Tough game. So, so with the making of the music in the meantime, uh, is there any, uh, aside from the lathe cuts that you've done and made available to people, is there any timetable or any interest of putting out a full album? Or is it like so many other things on the planet right now, we're waiting and seeing, and then once we get the green light, we're going to hit the ground running? We're, we're working on it and it's it's sort of like a, just a work in progress that we don't want to put, same thing like with going in the studio and having all like the clock and the money issues that kind of make you not create like you want to. The same thing for us, like we don't want to put a deadline on our album. So we're just sort of slow rolling it, chipping away at it every day if we can, writing songs, just, we are doing a third album, but it's just, Well, you know. and then you sort of have the opposite problem because now we have our own tape machine which is amazing it's a dream country we've always wanted to have our own little tiny studio so we can just do it on our own you know time but instead of now instead of having a time limit you don't there is no time and then it's like yeah there are no limits and so you could tweak a song for a million years so we might be calling you in like (laughs) we might call you in like 10 or 15 years (laughs) no we're gonna we already have quite a few songs finished and we probably have an album's worth of stuff right now but we just want to you know see what else is kind of come to us before we start dropping stuff you know but one of the things we did during the pandemic um in september was you know for every song that we had already had recorded and released it as a birthday show it was a ticketed thing you know we never released it to the public but um we we were busy doing that for a little while and you know, our fans that bought tickets were able to listen to all those songs and see videos to them for the first time. It was cool to be able to share it, but not all the way, you know? (laughs) There's a feeling of exclusivity there. Uh, (laughs) And hey, maybe maybe it'll be your uh, Use Your Illusion of a double album thing. I hope it's not your Chinese democracy and we got to wait 18 years for it. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, because it is uh, one of the best aspects of the band, but not musically speaking, your dogs. <laughs> Were they the influence for the title of the Ghost Wolves or the other way around? <laughs> uh, well, it was um, the first way. Okay. Yeah, um, I was... 
the dogs came oh, first. Yeah, they've been here a long time. Yeah. Yeah, these dogs, they've, her, her family's had those dogs for about 30 years, uh, varying bloodlines, but actually, you know, mostly the same family of animals all the way back for a long time. So you want to see one? We'll bring one in. I would love to see one of these gigantic wife floof right. beasts. Uh, they're, they're awesome. They're good companions. They take a lot of dedication from us to, you know, form that relationship, but they're, they're wonderful. Here's Dakota. Can you see him? Let's see. Lift him up. Oh. For, for our listeners, there is a gigantic snoot right next to Carly and a paw in between Carly and Johnny. Carly's <laughs> hugging this. this... He's tired. Oh. He's melting. <laughs> we got a sleepy floof in the house. Yeah. But, but it's my pleasure to meet you, Dakota, virtually speaking. Yeah, when when we first started the band, um, our main alpha wolf male dog, um, he passed away, and we had this whole experience where after we buried him up on the hilltop, you know, we like kind of the fog rolled in, and it was this, this really spooky moment where the horses started. I mean going nuts you know and all the other animals they were howling and they were just um something happened and you know it, we kind of saw some shapes in the fog and stuff and that, that's where our name came from and it was right when we started the band we wanted to carry his legacy with us he was such a big part of it nice <laughs> ethereal tale of uh spectral dog protection uh, which reminds me, I don't know if you're looking for stuff to read uh, in the quarantine, but if you've ever uh, checked out Heart Shaped Box by Joe Hill, he's Stephen King's son. It's about an aging heavy metal star that buys a possessed suit, doesn't work out quite the way he wants it to, but his dogs protect him from the, the malevolent thing therein. Uh, if you're sensitive to uh, uh, animal fates like uh, my co-host is, who Chelsea's not here today. Uh, spoiler alert, not all the dogs make it, but but they, they do fight ferociously and, and everybody comes out scarred. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Cool. Check it out. If you want some rock and roll spookiness to read and uh, consider your online retail therapy, uh, and and make a decision before you buy something too weird. That's a nice book to get you through the spookier moments. Great. Well, we all need more media in our lives, and we're stuck in our houses. Or hopefully, we're all coming out of our houses. Or is uh, you're in New York, right? Yeah, I'm in Queens, New York, but I do got a backyard to hang out in and get some sunlight. Can't having a hard time focusing on reading but i'll barbecue a little bit it can be interrupted by my neighbors or fixing up uh the house next door there they recently purchased that and they dig a very large hole in the yard so i'm hoping it's a plumbing thing and not a burying a body thing again as a horror fan that's where my head automatically goes 
but they left the hole open for a long time since they're just fixing it up on the weekend. So I'm like, it can't be a crime. <laughs> Nobody's that dumb. You do that overnight, nobody sees, yeah. right? So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. So as we wind this down, is there any other upcoming things that you can tell our listeners and your own fans to come to the show? Uh, what to expect or any surprises coming down the pipe for them? Well, well, yeah, we're just constantly working over here. So we just got done with that uh, charity thing, the vinyl raffle, and that was a big fight for us. And now we're looking for the next thing. So. Stay, stay tuned. Yeah, well, I do have uh, an announcement of the next thing that oh, we've discussed. She's already ahead of the game. <laughs> um, was that was that consultant? <laughs> yeah, we've, we've discussed. Okay, it. but I think you forgot. Okay. Anya, as uh, to give you a little tip in improv, always yes and like yes. <laughs> yes, yes. As a matter of fact, I am very aware of this <laughs> new project that will suck my life up. What's going on? Well. So you mentioned vaguely the ghost series that we've been doing, and mm-hmm. that's so far. We did Blaze Foley, and then we did The Cramps. And um, what it is is um, two songs by somebody that we're influenced by and um, who, who are no longer around. And then we do lathe cut seven-inch vinyls um, to order for um, the people that are interested. So. Our next um, one that we're going to do is uh, Hazel Atkins. So that's kind of our our next goat series, number three. All right, cool. You also do custom songs for people that want them on the website. You know what? That was a good reminder. We have about a handful of those we still need to write right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. we're kind of bad about, like, wait until the last minute on those, but... (laughs) But hey, you know, that's where the real creativity is. Like you're an improv guy, you know, you mm-hmm. put boom, you make the best thing you can. Yeah, you gotta do it. Yeah, Just yeah. yes and it in the moment. And I'm good at getting those plugs in for you. So yeah. along with those uh lathe cuts, they're made to order. If you missed them, don't feel bad. You can get the digital on Bandcamp. And if yes. you wait until Bandcamp Friday, the the ghost wolves will get all the money and that'll help them feed Dakota and the other giant floofs in the countryside out there. Don't do that. We die. We don't, we don't feed our dogs. We, they, eat, they feed on they're us. Gonna they're going to find They're going to find some food. Yeah, their teeth are bigger than ours. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. But I also think from your posts that they also like you. So they'd eat you, but they'd struggle with that decision for at least a little while. Uh, but, yeah. yeah. Or they get a little blood in their mouth and then it's all, you know, it's like a shark. It's, it's all done uh, when you got a fuzzy snout like that. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't partake in the wonderful queso that is in Austin. And oh, yeah. I'm eager to travel back there because while Austin, for the first trip when I go to someplace, sometimes I don't always dig it. It seemed a lot like Brooklyn, but with subsequent trips i learn a little more and start going where the locals go for live music and and different kind of food but the the food is kicking ass yeah Yeah. my girlfriend had a quest like we're gonna have queso at least once a day and i'm like challenge accepted (laughs) (laughs) either in austin 
or uh, when you guys are on tour, hopefully you'll hit New York and I'll come see you and have my eyebrows mel melted off and yes. bring some friends and we'll all get, get sweaty and, and uh, you'll have a beer, I'll have a Pepsi and we'll, it'll be a great time. Hey, hey, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. The people aspect of the music is what is why we really do it. You know, getting in the room and get sharing that energy with people is. I, I recently saw a Margot Price post where she was wearing a, a shirt that said, I miss hugs and live music. And I'm like, I get it. Get it, Margot. Yeah. That's a good shirt. That's a good shirt. But uh, where, where can people find you if they want to find you on social media and all those things? Uh, Theghostwolves.com, at Theghostwolves on all the social medias. So always at Theghostwolves for everything. The Ghost the ghost wolves. The ghost wolves. You'll 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 see a gigantic white uh, canine, and you'll know you're in the right place. Right. Yeah. You can check out Spooky Doings on Instagram. Check out Spooky Doings Improv on Facebook. One of these days, we'll have a show to perform in front of people, and we'll make up some haha. -ha. And uh, if Johnny wants some lessons in improv, we'll get him yes and in about fifteen minutes flat. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And but it's been, it's been a pleasure talking to you both and i thank you and hey come on anytime you guys got something new or if you just want to talk about spooky stuff that works too i'm sure you got tales of riding along the trains uh specters in the hills um the time your ghost wolf dogs ended up walking around and talking to you there, there there's got to be stuff that you'd like to share with us. Endless stuff. Endless. <laughs> but thank, thank you again. You. And in the meantime and in between time for all of our listeners, stay good, stay healthy, stay spooky. Until next time. Mm -hmm.